This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Hello, Elevate. It's good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Dom, for the opportunity to speak here tonight. It's always a privilege. This is my second time I had the opportunity to speak to the youth, so I'm excited about that. We have a... I'm not that gifted yet. I need to look at my, my notes as I walk through this. So, so tonight, as Pastor Dom gets the, the note holder, so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the tongue, the power of the tongue. And I'm sure you've heard about it many times through Pastor Dom, or if you've been in church any amount of time, you've either heard about it or read about it in a book. So we're going to dig a little deeper tonight, and we're going to open up in the book of James. If you want, though, if you, want you can go there ahead of me. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, that's going to be our section that we're going to cover tonight. So, but to give it a little more context, uh, before we get into the book, oh, th- there's a theme that goes along with James. And so to give a little bit more information, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is the pastor of the first church of Jerusalem. And, and there are a lot of struggles, as you can only imagine, uh, in the early church, where there were some who were not mature in the faith, there were some who were not of the faith, and they professed to be of the faith. And so he writes the book of James, chap- five chapters, I think it is, and, and he really just cuts a line down the middle and he separates the two. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate you. And, and, and in the book, he, he differentiates between those that are mature and those that are immature, those that are of the faith and, and those that are not of the faith. And so he, he lays out these series of tests through the first couple chapters. And in chapter one, he talks about the trials, that when they come, we should count it all joy, right? Everybody's joyful in trials, right? No, but we should. We should count it all joy when we're trial, when there's trials and tribulations, because those things produce perseverance, Right? And for those who are immature in the faith, those produce runners' feet. They run away from Christ and they run away from God. And so he, he divides that too and he talks about those who, who when, when they're tempted, they blame God. You ever been in that situation where you just blame God for everything? That's not God, it's us. Right? It's our own evil desires. It's the devil luring us away. And so, he, again, he, he sets these tests. And he also talks a little bit more about the tongue. We'll get to that in a second. And in chapter 2, he talks about the, those who, who say they're of the faith, yet they're respecter of persons. Those who maybe look down upon those who are poor. Maybe down, down on those who are maybe not of appearance. Those who have low stature. Those don't mix. So he's, he's calling them out, right? And, and then he goes on again and says that the just shall live by faith, meaning that those who, I mean, the, that faith without works is dead. That your faith will produce something. Your faith will produce fruit. You can't just say that you have faith and, and not have any substance to it, right? Although we are saved by faith alone, but that faith will produce a work. And, and as we get into chapter 3, he's going to talk about the tongue. And how those who believe, those who are of the faith, 
will produce the fruit of a bridled tongue. Right? So without further ado, let's, let's jump into the text. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ship also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the wheel of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting the fire, the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell, for every kind of beast and bird can be, can, and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. To be so. Does a spring forth pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevines produce fruits? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. Heavenly Father, as we... Open your word tonight, God. May, may it be spoken in truth and power. Father, may your word be glorified. May it pierce the hardest of hearts. Open the ears of the hearer. Open the eyes of those who are blind. And may your word go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. So James is basically saying that we talk too much. I know some of you in here probably once or twice maybe had a little mark in your homework assignments that you brought back to your parents that said, talks too much. Well, I can tell you tonight that God has marked all of us because we all talk too much. And we fail miserably. It's a, it's a large F on that mark. So we have a problem, right? The, the average, just to give you some context, the average American speaks 700 times a day. Think about that, 700 times a day. Approximately 16,000 words in a day. 16,000 words in a day. Even if we think that's too high, let's, let's take another perspective. What else you do in a day at least 100 times a day? Nothing. I, I hope not. I mean, 100 times a day. So we speak at least 700 times a day. And so we, we, kinda, we do speak too much. And, and, and just to give another statistic, if, if we were to put all the words that we said in a book, it would be a 50-page book written every day. 50-page book. See, we talk too much. So it's no wonder that God has a lot to say about 
our words. It's no wonder he says a lot, he has a lot to say about what, we, what, what comes out of our mouths. The Bible says in Proverbs 10:19 says that when words are many, transgressions is not lacking. In other words, sin awaits the opportunity through your speech. It awaits you. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Power of death and life are in the power of the tongue. And what he's saying is that you will bear whatever, whatever you speak, whether it's life, whether it's death, you're going to eat the fruit of it. So is it important what you, what you say? Isn't it important what comes, comes out of your mouth? So this is, this is no trivial topic that we're talking about tonight. It has eternal implications. For example, in Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess with our what? Our mouths. That Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And in Matthew 10, Jesus says, if you deny me for my father, I will deny you. If you deny me for men, I will deny you before my father. So power is in the, is in the tongue. So let's, 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 be, let's remind ourselves what, G, what James has already established in these verses. In, in James chapter 1, James says, know this, my brothers, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, and again, in, in verse 26 in chapter 1, he says that if anyone thinks his religion, if anyone thinks he's religious, I'm sorry, and does not bridle his tongue, but de- deceives his heart, his, this person's religion is worthless. Now, before you sit back and say, well, Brother Shane, Pastor Shane, I'm not religious. So that verse does not apply to me. So let me help you define what that word term, that term really means. It means that anyone who identifies with God, those who go to church, those who profess Christ, those who, who, who take an identity of pursuing after God, those who read the Bible, those who call themselves Christians. Would you say there are any Christians in here tonight? Would you consider yourself religious? Yes. Yes. That, that term fits it very well. So let's, let's, read it, let's read it one more time. If anyone thinks he's a Christian and he does not bridle his tongue, his Christianity is worthless. Do you understand the context here? Do you understand the power of the tongue and how important it is what God is laying out for us. You see, it's important for the Word of God to reveal our hearts to us. It's important for us to, to know that if, to, or to expose our hearts to see if we've either been charmed by the gospel or we've been changed by the gospel because the gospel message transforms us. It changes our hearts. Because either you have professed Christ or you possess Christ. Because when you possess Christ, the tongue will follow suit. This thing swells just a little bit. Hang on to it. Huh? 
So just as the doctor asks you to stick out your tongue, you go, ah, you know, let me see your tongue to determine if you're sick or not. So James also says, stick out your tongue. Let's see how healthy you are spiritually. Out of your mouth will come the health of your Christianity. So James makes a clear distinction between the two in proclaiming that an unbridled tongue will show you who you are, which leads me to my first point. Our tongue reveals who we are. There's no fake in it. There's no fake in it. We, it reveals who we are. So the first thing we recognize in, is that James places himself in the category. So he's, he's talking about teachers. You shouldn't, many of you shouldn't become teachers because you know what? A lot of us mess up in many ways, and especially the tongue. So you really shouldn't pursue teaching unless you're willing to, 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 to accept the accountability that comes with it. That, that's what he's saying. But he's also saying, but we all mess up. We all do. And, and look, all of us, none of us here have, a, have arrived in perfecting the tongue. None of us have, a, have arrived in, in perfecting our speech. We make mistakes, but we certainly don't make a practice of that speech. But this one thing is for sure that in an undisputable fact of life that all have sinned, all have fallen short of God's glory, and none do it better than through the tongue. James goes out to point that if we stumble in many ways, but anyone who does not stumble in what he says, interesting, he makes a very clear point that if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, not what he does, but what he says, he's a perfect man. It's an amazing statement to say that, right? And your words can actually drive you to maturity. And that word, Perfect means to be mature. It doesn't necessarily mean to be perfect because none of us are. In essence, who can control the tongue, control their bodies? That's having self-control, which is what? One of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control, right? Out of all the members of the body, none are more rebellious, none are more treacherous than the tongue. The tongue will reveal who you are, especially in hard times. When you're pressed, when you're pressured, when you're in pain, what comes out is who you are. And look, it happens to all of us. Repent when it does. Don't deny it. Don't say, that's not who I really am. Yes, that's who you really are. That's who we all really are. What comes out is who we really are. The tongue is a direct reflection of the heart. While James is saying, tame the tongue, what he's really saying, that your heart is prone to evil because they're interconnected. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Our words simply reflect what's in our heart. There's a quote by Bruce Waltke. A fool's tongue is long enough to cut his own throat. Think about that for a second. A fool's tongue is long enough to cut his own throat. Matthew 12, Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speech reveals who we are. 
Our tongues will always betray us. Do you remember, you remember when Peter, Jesus was arrested? Peter was trying to eavesdrop on what was happening. He was warming himself by the fire. And there was a maid that came up to him and said, Peter, aren't, aren't you one of the disciples? And he was like, no, no, no. And he ran away. He went to another fire. He did that three times, right? He denied Christ three times. One of the times, one of the maids says, you are his disciple. Your speech betrays you. Your speech betrays you. And then he's probably talking about his Galilean accent. But I'm here to tell you, Olivet, your speech will betray who you are. If you say you're something else, sooner or later, the way you speak will define who you really are. And so is it with our faith. Jesus clearly explained this to the Pharisees. You remember when, when uh, he rebuked the Pharisees because the, the Pharisees said that his disciples weren't holding up to, to their traditions by not washing before they ate with the grain and the sand. You remember that Matthew 15, what did he say? He said, do you not see whatever goes into your mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulterers, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands doesn't defile anyone. Five-second rule is legit. You can pick it up. It's what comes out. What comes out of man's mouth or a woman's mouth is what defiles the person. So we learn that the heart reveals who we are and, and our speech betrays us and, and what comes out of our hearts we'll proceed with words. Our second point tonight is that the tongue, the difficulty in taming the tongue. James goes into deep detail. He references horses. He references ships. He references a bunch of different things and he's like, we can tame all these things. He talked about the horse. Anybody ever read a horse before? Big horse, little bitty bit, and you can decide wherever you want to go with him. This powerful, majestic horse is controlled by a little bitty bit. And so is it with our tongues. He's saying that we have this small little tongue in our mouths that can control our life. The direction of our life is set by the, by the words we say. Think about that for a second. By the words you say. Verse 4, he talks about a ship, and, and, and James is saying, Behold, imagine a ship. Imagine a ship. Think about this massive ship. And on the ship is this tiny little rudder that navigates it through the ocean. This brings me to a story. If, if you love history, if you ever heard of the Bismarck, World War II, Bismarck, it's one of the meanest, baddest ships in World War II. This thing was 830-something foot long, and it had 15-inch guns. The Germans had it. The Germans had this ship, and they built it, and they built it because whoever ruled the ocean had a good chance of winning the war because they can put supplies across the oceans, right? And so they had this massive ship, and, and, and the Allies, the U.S., and and Winston Churchill wanted to do any, all they wanted to do was make sure they sank this ship because this ship was an unsinkable ship. It was told that it had an unpenetrable hull. 
There's no way anybody could sink this ship. So this ship comes out of the port. It's, it's, it's following a supply ship so no, nobody would attack it. And sure enough, two allied ships come, attack it, it turns and blows them to bits. This is a bad ship. And it makes its way back to port. As it's going back into port, another U.S. ally radios in says, hey, we found this ship. And Winston Churchill says, all hands on deck. I don't care if you're not a fool chasing this ship, fuel chasing this ship. I want this ship sunk. Three hours before, uh, three, about 300 miles before he gets to port. It's, it's, it's about to be in its safety port. And an aircraft carrier, an airplane, identifies it and finds it. And they start dropping those torpedoes onto the ship. And of course, it doesn't sink the ship because... <clears throat> torpedoes, it's an impenetrable hull. But one of the bombs, one of the, listen to this, one of, the, one of the torpedoes hits the stern of the ship. It hits the rudder and disables the ship. Here's this massive, all-powerful, all-unsinkable ship, unable to navigate through the waters. It's a sitting duck as the other 16 ships converge and unleash all the shelling they possibly have. There's even controversy that the ship was self-sunk, that it still didn't even penetrate the hull. But because the rudder, the small little insignificant rudder, the thing that gave it its power to navigate through the ocean, disabled it, destroyed the ship. And so is it with our tongues. When we unbridle or we don't bridle our tongues, so is it will itself destruct. It's destined for destruction. He also uses a fire. He says, what a great blaze is set a, uh, what, a, what a great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Not too long ago, of course, y'all remember this, the marsh fires here. It didn't take a whole lot to burn that, but just to give you some context that not long ago in Southern California, where there's always fires, it seems, there were 22,000 acres that burned, eating up homes, businesses. You want to know how it started? A, render, a, a gender reveal party, smoke bomb. And whether it was a boy or girl, I don't think it really mattered at this point because it burned 22,000 acres of land. Homes, businesses, it burned for three months. Something so insignificant. That's what our tongue does. That's what the, the power of our tongue has. On October 8th, I'll give you an example. On October 8th, 1871, this is an oldie. 1871, a fire broke out in a born southwest side of Chicago, Illinois. It's, it's called the Great, the Great Fire of Chicago. In more than 24 hours, a fire burned through the heart of Chicago, killing 300 people, leaving one-third of the city's population homeless. 17,500 buildings were burned. The story goes that Miss O'Leary was milking her cow, and the cow kicked the, fire, the lantern over and started the fire. And you have to think, this is in 1800s. 17,000 buildings burned, basically burned the entire city down by such a small spark this is what James is trying to elude of, of how powerful our tongues are. That's what it does. It destroys, and it's set on fire by the course of hell. 
James continues, it says, all creatures have been tamed. Lions, tigers, lions and tigers and bears, right? It's lions and tigers and bears. Lion, elephants, whales, things of great power can be tamed, but no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. James calls the tongue a restless evil, a deadly poison. You want to know where else this verse is also written? In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In Job 1, 7, when the angels presented themselves before the Lord, God asked where he had come from, and he said, Oh, to and fro on the earth, roaming Restless, restless, a restless evil. He equates the tongue, that of the devil. It's a restless evil, a poison. There's this old rhyme that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That's, that's a lie. I know it's a nursery rhyme or a rhyme that you heard in school, but your bones will mend your cuts and bruises. But words that you speak can last a lifetime. In fact, the words that you speak or the words that can be spoken to you can last from generation to generation. That's the power of the words that you speak. So we must take care. So James presents this impossible thing. He's, he's like, you can, you can tame all these things, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's interesting he says no human being tamed the tongue because there are thousands of books written, how to tame the tongue, 12 steps to do this, 12 steps to do that. And here it says that no human being can tame the tongue. So are we hopeless? Are we left without hope that we cannot walk in self-control of a bridled tongue? No, we're not. We're not, which leads me to my next point. Only God's eternal word is the only thing that can bridle your tongue. That's it. Your efforts, you're pulling yourself up by the bootstraps won't get you there. Do you remember another time where something was impossible? In the story of Jesus? Remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? He said, I've done this, 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 this. And Jesus said, go sell all your possessions and follow, follow me. And of course, the young rich ruler left and was sad and disappointed because he had great wealth. And you remember the disciples said, well, then who can be saved? Who, who can be saved? If this man can't be saved, I mean, he followed the law. He's rich. And he's, he's checked all the boxes, Jesus. Who, who can be saved? I have no hope. You remember what Jesus said? Matthew 19. He says, and Jesus spoke to the disciples. Truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich man, rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, and here it is, with man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so is it with bridling your tongue. 
It's impossible. It's James said it. No man can do it. But through the power, the working of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's it. It's a transformed life. It's a transformed life. It's, it's for those who have submitted and surrendered themselves to Christ and his word. Jude 1 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. It is him who is able. Does that mean you're off the hook for discipline? No, you discipline your tongue. You discipline yourself. But you discipline it through the power of the Holy Spirit. After my profession of faith, one of the first things I was convicted of was my speech. That was the first thing I had. I was like, I, I, I can't. And, and it was just, it was a natural response because the speech reflects the heart. And my heart had been transformed. All the words that I used to say were no longer relevant. It repulsed me. Psalms 19, 119 says, I have stored up my word. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you have, if, if whatever you store up in your heart is what's going to come out. If it's worldly wisdom, it's going to be worldly wisdom that comes out. If it's a secular culture, that's going to come out. If it's, if it's a new fad that's going on at school, if it's anything new, that, that's all going to come out. But if it's the word of God, it's going to be life. And not death. It's going to be uplifting, wholesome. Psalms 14, one, I'm sorry, 141 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. That's our prayer, isn't it? Psalms 39 1 says, I said, I will guard my ways that I might not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. I will guard my mouth. The simple answer to bridle in your tongue, elevate, is God's word. It's surrendering and submitting. It's a transformed life. That's as simple as it gets. In our closing, I was in the process of this study. You know, there's, there's no greater example than that of Jesus Christ. He modeled everything perfectly for us, right? But I was compelled as I, as I studied and understood that model, that, that, that perfect model that represents us. Do you remember when he was punched in the face? When he was ridiculed, he said nothing. You remember when his beard was pulled out? Never said a word. Do you remember when they put the crown of thorns on his head and mocked him? He said nothing. The crowd stood and shouted, crucify him. Nothing. He stood there in silence. He was made to carry a cross and then nailed to it and hung him up. Ripped him of his clothes. And the only thing he said was forgive them. 
And he crucified him with two other criminals. criminals. And he said nothing. The, the man, the only person in the world that had a right to say anything, said nothing. His words, not, not a word spoken, only forgive them. And I, and I thought, why? Why did he not? He, he could have called angels down to protect him. He could have, he could have did anything, but he said nothing. And, and elevate, I want you to know, he said nothing for you. He was quiet because he knew that you could not. He knew that you would sin against the Father and the only one who can reconcile you to the Father was him, and that was through his silence and through his death. He did it for you. So would you consider Jesus? Would you consider him the next time you're tempted to speak against your parents, next time you're, 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 you want to slander or gossip about a friend, would you consider Jesus? Isaiah 53, 7 says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, and he, like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. So let's consider Jesus elevate. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, God, as we close tonight's message, we realize that we can do nothing apart from you. God, we, we can't tame our tongues. We need your power, your Holy Spirit to guide us, to, to train us, to embody us. Father, I pray for everyone here tonight and I just pray that they would go out with peace. They would go out with assurance that that transformation power, that, that same power that raised Christ from the dead abides in us. We thank you for this, God. We thank you for your word, the word that changes hearts. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.